Welcome to Drink 4 dot dot dot, the podcast that combines a lifelong film infatuation with an overarching love of drink, an interactive journey that encourages the incorrigible while providing an intoxicating alternative to a night out. Think Netflix and chill without the chill, perhaps without the Netflix, and definitely without those strange implications of sex. Who knows, maybe we'll learn something along the way, or at the very least, have a bit of immature fun. Welcome back everyone, I of course am your host Jordan Brooks, and joining me today, outside of the closet of shame, on this beautiful hot, sultry day. It's Fox Jackson. You can find him on Instagram at, at Fox Jackson. Fox, how are you doing today? Thank you, King Jordan Brooks. It's a uh, it's an honor to be here. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm, I'm just ready to get into the absolute sex of today's film, 1984's Purple Rain. Pure, raunchy, and unadulterated just sex. Oh, it's it, it could not. I could not. You 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 picked the film. I did not. I'm. I, I did. I should not take credit for this. This is the perfect film for such a sweaty, warm day where I'm recording uh, right now with my purple gin and soda. Well, Prince would be proud. You know, he. That's what he wants the crowd. He wants them to get worked up and hot and sexy and sticky so you're in the perfect situation for it i would try to live my life uh making prince very proud but but i know i would just disappoint him uh, severely yeah you're not a devout christian are you no no so yeah you've lost that battle i'm I'm afraid yeah see there you go yeah but i i think he would give you like a little bit of a pat on the back for your sexy growly radio voice would you say it's a little bit different from your normal voice because the intro there just i'm i am gonna say i i have a little semi on from just hearing you talk for a bit then well this is yeah this is this is the the podcast voice it cannot be my regular voice it must be up close to the mic so you can hear my lips smack against one another doing things to me (laughs) oh boy all right and now if you are still listening we got to get into the format of this show this what you've been listening to is called an introduction where we introduce things i.e the title of the show our names and what we'll be watching today which i've already said is purple rain is this is this for me or is this for who's this for is this this is for the uh the theoretical imaginative audience okay cool hello audience hello esteemed colleagues (laughs) Uh, um hello zoe yes exactly hello zoe and uh me from uh tomorrow or the next day when i'm editing this uh this is the sober half of the podcast and uh, eventually i will give you some drinking rules for purple rain the the rules we will always drink for in every film are drink for drinking drink for death drink for blood drink for fighting and our most recent rule drinking for good boys which is drinking for any animal with which you feel an emotional connection wait are we allowed to swear on this podcast i just let out the first f-bomb and that just disappeared into the this is okay right yeah no this is um a podcast where i get shit-faced with uh my friends and then record it so it's pretty fucking raunchy going out where we're x-rated all the way yeah hold on to your fucking hats kids (laughs) and then uh you will experience a 90 second ad break fox and i will experience a much longer break in fact one that is an hour and 51 minutes during which we will drink for the rules that Fox has created for Purple Rain, and uh, then, for whatever reason, a very unintelligent one, I'm sure, is we will turn these microphones back on, and we will talk to you about what we found about our, I don't know, how many times have you seen this film? Your 50th time through Purple Rain? This will probably be about my 24th time through Purple Rain now. 
yeah, a lot. Well, there you go. Yeah, you'll you'll hopefully see something new about it today, new and uh, talk about worthy. But uh, so Purple Rain is about the kid played by Prince, who runs a very sexy band called The Revolution in Minneapolis, which is one of the strangest parts of, of Prince to me is that he's from Minneapolis. It's quite a nowhere town um, in America. It's just, it seems, yeah, it's, it's like the least sexy place of all time, and yet here we are. One of the coolest people emerged from it, yeah. He always had such an affinity with Minneapolis as well. He always stayed true to his roots and built Paisley Park there and, um, you know, R.I.P. Uh, died there as well. Uh, when you when you come from these small towns in America, sometimes you either love it or hate it. I guess there's a lot of. I was gonna say you always gotta rep that town, but that is not true with most of the people from the Midwest who who moved to. I think with um, with artists, it's quite a um, it's a selling point, isn't it? That's why um, Prince did it. I mean. If you rep your town, then your town starts talking about you because you've got pride from where you're from. That's why all these, you know, artists like Nelly and Buster Rhymes and and Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre or yell out Compton or you know Atlanta. It's just because if your town has faith in you, then that gets you a little bit on the starting block. Oh, there you go. Maybe I should start repping Pittsburgh a little bit more. Hell yeah, you should. Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Damn straight, yeah. As Wiz Khalifa himself would say. What do they call the Pittsburgh people? Like Pittsburghites? Picks. Pittsburghers. Pittsburghers. Oh, no. Nice. Yinzers is uh, what we call ourselves. but Yinzers sounds like a racial slur. It I is a racial slur. You're not allowed to say it. I'm oh, okay. allowed to say it. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Purple Rain, about uh, somebody called The Kid who's extremely gorgeous from the Midwest somehow, uh, who likes to ride a motorcycle to and from his gigs at uh what's what's the name of the nightclub first avenue nightclub and uh he he eventually he doesn't he doesn't just like to ride it he rides it with dramatic like dramatically rides it yeah like he's there's intention when he rides it you know yeah his big purple hog yeah exactly his filthy greasy purple hog yeah vibrating in between his legs and uh he rides this motorcycle to and from the first avenue club while dating a woman called apollonia who's played by oh it's apollonia cotero and then uh morris day plays morris his his sort of rival club man and they uh they just get into it it's a club it's a prince origin story it's really cool um morris day like has everything to thank for prince like the time you know the band the time because um morris was basically like in the band with prince he they sort of grew up together and played in the same things and morris tells a story about how prince was just this weird kid sort of staring at him in the side of the room sort of almost like the, sh- the shining twins and basically he heard one of Prince's first records, I Want to Be Your Lover, on the radio, which came out in 1979. And he was working in a like a telephone shop at the time. And Morris Day just stopped what he was doing, put the phone down, ran to like see Prince and say, hey, I heard your song on the radio. And then from that point on, Prince basically owned Morris Day. Like was like, I can make you the sex symbol and cool king. And that's exactly what he did. He wrote every song for him and made him a star, basically. Like, he completely took control of everything. That's amazing. What a great yeah. tidbit about Morris Day. I, I, I wish I wish Prince had taken me under his wing. Granted, I'm not from Minneapolis, so he would not have done that. Hey, you're a, a, a yeezer. What did you call it? Don't say the <laughs> word. <laughs> a Pittsburghian. <laughs> Pittsburgh a knight. 
Yeah, Pittsburghanite. That's about yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's get into these very important drinking rules that you have actually personally created for Purple Rain. We are going to drink whenever Prince gets on his aforementioned hog. So anytime Prince mounts his bike, go ahead and uh, take a little sip. We're going to drink for nudity, and uh, that's self-explanatory. Any type of nudity. And uh, even if you're a very conservative person, maybe even like people showing midriffs or calves could be nudity. We're going to drink for sexism because uh, with all of these uh, various rules, you should try to learn something. And so, you know, maybe empathize when you see people being downtrodden by blatant and overt sexism. It's the 80s. Exactly. We are going to drink whenever Morris is a dick, which is often or just, you know, variously sleazy. Uh, and then, finally, we're going to drink whenever Prince touches himself as a means to cool ourselves off. I, I would agree with all of those. They're, they're beautiful. They're just, yeah. I mean, I did suggest them. That's why I agree with them. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you uh, hopefully do agree with the rules that you've written for this, and uh, hopefully... Uh, they they do well for us. Uh, one of the one of the things I forgot to say about this is the uh, the directorial pedigree of Albert Malgo uh, Albert uh, Magnoli, who directed Street Night from 1993, as well as the Nash Bridges movie, which uh, I grew up watching some Nash Bridges with my parents about Don Johnson and Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong about, uh, who played uh, two detectives driving around what I assume it was either Miami or San Francisco. But my God, Magnoli, what a beast. Only the greatest hits. Exactly. I can't believe he went from Prince to uh, Don Johnson. Yeah, some interesting skips in his uh, film career. Yeah, but you know, what are you going to do? And uh, before we get properly pissed up and uh, become extremely purple inside and out, do you have any final words? Um, I guess I'd just like to thank the Academy and, um, you know, my mom and dad and uh, that will about do it. Shout out to uh, to my hometown, shout out to my parents, and uh, shout out to God. Yeah, shout out to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we have to shout out to Prince because he is literally the most prolific artist that has ever touched this planet. You know, I dare you to try and find someone who, who's had 32 studio albums released, you know, and they're still plundering his vault. You know, we'll get years and years of music after he dies. So there's no one like him. So big love, R.I.P. This episode of Drink 4 Dot 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 is brought to you by Slippery Dick's Electric Razor for Pubic Hairs. We know you've been letting it grow during quarantine, but when you get back out there, make that genital look its best with a fresh new haircut. You're not going to get any tinder love sending out dickies covered in razor bumps and nicks, and that's why Slippery Dick's Electric Razor for Pubic Hairs is extremely gentle. And if this weren't a radio ad, we'd prove it to you by running the thing over a balloon. And after some practice, it wouldn't even pop. Go to slipperydicks.com and enter a promo code PURPLERAIN to receive 15% off any order. Don't wanna brush it, babe.
What an amazing way to uh, bridge us back in to part two. Foxy, thank you. Thank you very much for the concert. The musical intro. Yeah, I, I, I have not uh, experienced one of these before. And so uh, thank you for, for introducing introducing us to, to Prince. Yeah. So I have a few uh, talking points here. One really isn't a a talking point uh, more than it is just an interesting little tidbit I found out halfway through. Okay. Doing this, which which I did tell to you, which is that the co-writer of this, William Blinn, also wrote Roots, which um, could not be more at odds with with Purple Rain, which is uh, just a very uh, a silly little thing here. But um, I guess mostly, mostly what I came away with was how you kept reiterating throughout our watching that Prince created everything in this, basically, and that if you worked for Prince, you worked uh, for Prince. You were going to do everything that he wanted you to do. And even in a film where he theoretically controlled every aspect of production, the script, how he came across... He really paints himself as a very flawed individual, as somebody who exists in the real world with real problems, and as someone who has been incredibly affected by those problems, as somebody who has really uh, not developed a great sense of self because of uh, the way he was raised, and somebody who doesn't really know how to carry across a relationship with a partner because of the relationship that his parents have. And to me, that just makes him so much more relatable, right? It is it is knowing that Prince could have made himself come across as a sex god, and he doesn't. He, he you know, hits Apollonia at least once, and tells us the entire time how sad that is a hundred percent i mean if you've looked at um any of the uh like what you were touching on about the kevin smith uh like kevin smith has got a few youtube videos uh, up of him just talking to people about how like if you work for prince basically you're his bitch and there's nothing that's gonna like tear you away from that and yeah i guess once you reach that height of celebrity and fame worlds collide and you're 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 in terms of like to quote the rolling stones you're like under under my thumb right like there's there's nothing that you can do to get away from me like you have that power and that celebrity like prowess to just like do anything you want and Prince was like the epitome of that like there was nothing that you could you ever try to utter the words no to Prince then you're fucked you know (laughs) if if you're a man that can like turn up to a party and just say whatever you want and it's yours that that's the type of guy that Prince was he'd and I, th- I think that's the thing that impresses me most about this is because Prince could have made this a, a sort of tome to himself and paint himself as this uh, like flawless literary is the word I want to use, but that's incorrect for film uh, sort of a larger than life character who is a flawless uh, 
utterly sexy individual and he, he while he does keep the sexiness there he really he still paints himself as flawed and i and that's what's impressive uh, about it to me is the fact that he isn't a nice guy he's selfish and he's really angry and sort of torn between these two worlds of 80s revolutional mm, uh yeah i don't know I, feminism is definitely not the right word but some sort of cultural revolution and the like 50s jazz bebop of his dad who 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 you know wrote all of these songs and sort of is forgotten by everyone and sorry did you do it just you just do an impression of an owl sorry the who 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 <laughs> how many licks does it take to get to the center of a tootsie pop yeah how many licks does it take <laughs> But yeah, it, it's it's this incredible incredible thing where yeah he he see, it makes him seem more humble at least or in in a way more human. Where Prince to me seems closer akin to an alien race of hyper sexualized <laughs> creatures who 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 um <laughs> more 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 owl like you you love it. <laughs> Who, uh, who... Uh, no, I just snorted on the... <laughs> good. That's, not, That's what you fucking get. That's not good. Don't call me out again, or I'll get you to snort again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, created sexuality for, for early uh, human hominids. Uh, <laughs> that is what Prince seems like here. It's it's this incredible hypersexual thing. It's... Fuck. I mean, just everything from performance to just direction, cinematography, like it all would have come down to Prince, you know, like he would have been in control of everything. It's beautiful. And he is maybe one of the last people that kept that sort of artist to who he actually was as a person, a little bit of a mystery. And, you know, even though he was musically gifted, he kept that sort of mystery alive in you know purple rain to his day to day something you said there about how it was shot and, and controlling the cinematography gets me onto this next point that i've written down which is that i feel like all of the performances that he gives at the first avenue club including those of um what is his name morris day morris day and the apollonia six are all shot quite a bit like concert footage it it, it is just yeah the the camera from the audience's point of view shooting yeah. various angles or just sort of like tracking along yeah with it's the, all with just like singers. one straight shot to the stage and then maybe like a couple close-ups just of like the movement do you know if when they were shooting this prince was act actively singing into the microphones or was he shooting it more like a music video or do you have any sort of production history uh, in your head from how this was made? It would have been mainly all music video because all of the um, music in the film is exactly how it is on the Purple Rain record. Mm -hmm. So it would have all just filmed, they would have all filmed to a click and probably just the track just to make sure that everyone was tight with the music. But, you know, who knows what Prince and how, um, you know, he was so militant. If you've looked up any of the, like, 
YouTube videos of Prince practicing online and stuff like that with her, the Revolution Band. You can see that if you go on, um, uh, type in Prince on YouTube and just like look up some of his uh, different songs, you just see the like Manic Monday is one of the tracks that he practiced all the time and sold to the Bangles. Um, and he used to perform that all the time and rehearse. So, yeah. And that's uh, www.youtube.com spelled T U B E. Yes, that's correct. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Just in case uh, any of these uh, people don't know what YouTube is. I mean, you can you can never tell with with these podcasting audiences. I mean, if they've watched with us, then they're drunk as well. So you should, yeah. HTTP colon double backslash too. Don't forget <laughs> that. The uh, I, now I have some questions for you here, Foxy. I'm interested. Go for it. The first of which is when did you first get into Prince? Mm. You don't, you don't choose Prince. Prince chooses you, right? Like Pokemon? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He was my Clefairy. Yeah. Um, I think I got into Prince around the time I picked up the guitar. Uh, maybe when I was about sort of 15, 16. Yeah, you sort of slowly realize how, like, anyone that's a fan of music is a fan of Prince. You know, like, I... Like, I implore you to try and find an artist that doesn't go, like, Prince is my favorite. Like, from D'Angelo to Jacob Collier, like, everyone that is a musician will always stay. Like, Prince is their first artist, you know? Like, he did so much and broke so many trends that everyone loves him and trailblazed for the 2000s, you know? Like, everything that came out in terms of his sexuality and how open he was, you know, wearing tiny little like jock straps on stage and he just pushed music and sexuality so far and meld the two and well I think that that further further solidifies my point about him being a uh, part of some sort of alien race that that controlled <laughs> human sexuality from from the very beginning 100 percent. but he wasn't always like that i mean have you ever seen his uh interview on uh bbc uh the first time where he does uh i want to be your lover mm -mm. oh you've got to watch it he's this uh it's an amazing point in his career where so uh, his manager at the time had a massive go at him for being so shy on tv but uh, the interviewer, I, th I think he was on BBC or something like that, and he says, so uh, how many instruments uh, can you actually play? And he puts the microphone to Prince, and there's this really awkward pause for a couple of seconds, and Prince says, um, um, uh, and just as he's about to bring the microphone back, Prince says, uh, all of them. He's like a nervous wreck, and he promised his uh, manager that that would never happen again. And I think that was a really like big turning point in his career from um, 1979, where Prince just like promised himself that he would never get stage fright again. Wonderful. Now, uh, second question. What is the best Prince song? Ooh. <laughs> and yes, I do require a definitive answer. Ah, shit. Wow, this is tough. Um, and even if you do list other songs and say, oh, this song is really good, this song is really good, but I'm going to have to say this, I'm going to cut those out, just so you know. And so you're only going to get credit for the one song that you well, said. That's number one. That's super evil. <laughs> I know uh, it is. 
shit. Um, I mean, mine changes all the time. It'd probably have to be the uh, ballad of Dorothy Parker. And why? Um, I hear those grooves all the time in other music. It's unlike any song I've ever heard. There's basically no chorus and it's just storytelling. Like, and Prince does that all the time in his music, but it's beautiful. And the chorus only hits you sort of like the tail end of the song where there's this beautiful refrain that just goes, Dorothy Parker, Dorothy Parker. Just, and that sort of echoes out through the song. Um, and it's, it's amazing. It's off the Sign of the Times record, which is one, again, one of my favorite albums. And if you haven't seen it, definitely check out the, like the hour and a bit long music video to that. But yeah, Dorothy Parker, runner up has got to be information redacted, um, which is on that same record. But yeah, I'm going to stick with Dorothy Parker for now. It's an excellent choice. And, and, and certainly for the reasons uh, that, that you mentioned where you have these artistic connections to other things and you can sort of... I. I can't really uh, identify with the seeing or hearing music and other music things as much as I can yeah. with um, seeing other directorial choices or artistic choices in my filmic storytelling. But I know exactly what you mean, where you see those brilliant moments of an individual thing influencing so much other art that you love and, and yeah. uh, being able to, I guess, more easily contextualize how great it is and how important they are. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's sounded really bad right now, but who's the guy who directed uh, Black Klansman and uh, Inside Spike Man? Spike Lee. Oh, what's his name? Spike Lee. I mean, you see that, like, focus pull shot all the time, yeah. right? So it's just, like, imagine being able to see that focus pull shot, but just, like, you notice that in music. Like, with those strong slap bass lines that Prince presents, or those little synth lines that just shine in the song, I notice that everywhere in his uh, composition and other people's production, and you notice the influence that that has. I mean, a new artist called uh, Lucky Day, uh, spelled D-A-Y-E, uh, just put out a track that's exactly like uh, If I Was Your Girlfriend. Um, you see those little ripples in music all the time, and it, I'm sure you see the same in uh, after watching thousands of movies. You're like, yep, I know it's that little influence everywhere. Yeah, it is that really fun thing of, of trying to follow the common thread of music or art mm. that you love it, it's it's understanding the the making and the influence behind the things that you really really enjoy and and no matter what that is for me whether it's uh cooking or films or or paintings or music i really love yeah. sort of following those common threads and learning as much as i can about those things that i love because the only thing that that can do is open me up to more things that i might love now um going immediately off on a sidebar -y tangent is the idea that there's a new band who spells day d-a-y-e because i'm currently taking my parents through the sitcom community where the dean hires green day to play at one of their earth day functions and it turns out he hires an irish band called green day d-a-y-e 
Yeah, no, I remember that episode. <laughs> and so, um, like 30 seconds of your explanation there was negated in my head as I tried to not laugh very, very hard uh, <laughs> over over my microphone. But, you know. Well, I, I appreciate you holding out until the end of my um, lecture. And it was a great lecture. And we're going to keep all of that in, including this explanation and including this next question. What's the best Prince outfit? Ooh, it's probably got to be, if you're like me and you buy lots of Prince records, um, again, you've got the Sign of the Times record, and there's this orange jumpsuit that he wears, um, and I think he wears it in the Sign of the Times record. And I'm so biased because it's, again, my favorite record and favorite music video, but it's this orange jumpsuit where it's sort of like this one piece, where it's like this long orange suit that sort of comes halfway down to his wrists and then some nice like beautiful chinos that he wears and he wears these glasses um not horn rimmed but um they're circular and they're just fantastic and he just looks so sweet and innocent but you know in and this is one of my favorite quotes it's like they say why is a sheep um, no, why is a wolf dressed up like a sheep? Um, and that's one of the things in the Sign of the Times album. And I think Prince is the epitome of that. He's he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, and I think that's so true for a lot of his music. He's the predator, but he's pretending to be the prey. Can you expand on that? What What is he preying on? What's he preying on? Yeah, what is, what is Prince is the wolf... What are the sheep? Is it our ears? Is it popular culture? Is it uh, driving human sexuality forward? Why does Prince put on sheep's clothing, and what is he preying on? Is he preying on our pop cultural desires? What it, what is he what is he up to? He often plays with our like misconceptions, like we were talking about before whilst we were watching the movie. Someone who was so embedded strongly in the eighties. It's just like transcends that time. He's one of the only artists to really grow and just keep growing from even from the 80s, which is like a, a subgenre that can name so many artists that are just sort of like clouded in the 80s music scene and never grown further than that. But Prince has just come out of it on the other side. But I guess to answer your original question, uh, if he's the wolf, who are the sheep? Yeah, I would definitely say us, you know, uh, his adoring public, you know, and he played the crowd better than anyone. You know, when he did live performances, he would say, uh, do you want me? Are you ready for me? We are that adoring crowd that wanted him and his body, his his zest, his his everything, his uh, his prince, just... Sorry, I just got of carried away with myself there. One second, let me just recompose. I'm going to take a sip. Moment of silence over. Going, going off of what you just said there, this is, uh, it really brings to light one of the, the things that I found that brings across uh, whatever point I made about um, Prince's, you know, however long ago that nonsense was about this being firmly under Prince's control, and yet he comes across as quite a flawed character. Now, 
as uh, you told me going into this and as the credits confirmed that every bit of music in this was composed and written by Prince himself, it it almost comes across as this incredible uh, humble brag where he says, yes, I am a flawed individual. Yes, I didn't listen to my band here. Everything that the revolution wrote was shit. Everything that the kid wrote was great. Morris's Morris's music was all just just this poppy sort of garbage. Yeah. And everything that the Apollonia 6 was playing was just sort of this ploy towards popular music and culture. And yet Prince wrote all of this. And to me, that is the the most incredible humble brag of, oh, by the way, I know that my first few albums may not have had the effect on you that Purple Rain certainly will and will continue to for the rest of ever. But I want you to know that I could write this with my fucking hands tied behind my back and a blindfold on your sheep. Oh my God, you're right, Fox. Holy shit. I just fucking got it, man. And that's, that's really interesting because um, it's funny. His first album, For You, which was released, um, I'm not sure quite, quite when, but when he released For You, he doesn't like that album. Uh, and he often says that you know, he doesn't want people to listen to it, which is really interesting. Oh, 1978 is when he released For You. It is an extremely interesting thing that he's doing here, um, in this moment for me at least, where uh, I know personally that he has written all of the antagonist's music. He's written all the stuff that sort of takes his character down a few pegs and yet it, it is all him. It's him just saying, or or rather, it, it makes me believe that every bit of music here is saying to me, yes, you might really like this song that Morris is singing, but remember Prince wrote that. But it's still You me. might remember yeah. this song that Apollonia wrote, but remember, it's just me. And you know this uh, wonderful moment at the end where I sing this song, that was not written by the kid. Remember, it was written by Prince anyway. So, by the way, I'm fucking awesome. And he is fucking awesome. And it is it is the, for me, currently, in the moment, in my drunken, having drank a bunch of purple food coloring, which is gonna probably play havoc with my insides, but let's yeah, leave my insides right. outside of this podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, incredible way in which um prince has affected drunken me's ability to i guess begin a fandom with him because this this was like i i saw this before i really listened to a lot of prince music and it really made me love prince a lot more yeah i mean congratulations and welcome to where i started my prince fandom that's all i'm gonna say i mean Purple Rain was the birth of my Prince fandom. Like, once you watch Prince live in concert, you realize like the level of expertise and 
just precision that Prince conducted himself with in everything he did in his life. Prince was prolific. There is no other way to describe him. He is the perfect artist. And just like the more you get into Prince, it's just like a YouTube rabbit hole. You can't help but just keep following that line down and down and down. And what I was going to say about Prince's albums is that definitely shout out his originals album that was released after his death which you actually get a little bit of a taste of all those songs that he recorded for for morris day for apollonia six he was writing everything recording everything the bangles you know sinead o'connor he was there recording literally everything it's been seven hours and something days you know that was him like, if you listen to Sinead O'Connor's, like, nothing compares to you, that's all him. And it comes back to the thing of you saying the humble brag thing. It's, it's all Prince. He is the 21st century Mozart, you know? It's, it, it is this incredible um, control over everything that we're seeing and that we're, we're hearing. And, and uh, I guess in the greater context outside of the film over pop culture in general. And I don't know if you know this about Purple Rain, the album, but mm -hmm. it tied him. Only the Beatles and Elvis Presley have ever done this, yeah. where it was the number one record, the number one single, and the number one film in the U.S. at the same time. So he held the Billboard chart for album and single with yep. purple rain and yep. it was the number one film at the box office in america i actually did know that being a uh, a film buff yeah. yeah good for fucking you fox fine you can be good at everything in the world just like prince look at you i'm just gonna do a couple purple rain renditions yeah and now for the final question i have written for for foxy Woxy. If you met Prince, what would be your opening line? Whoa. I'd probably just ask for some food. Ask him to, like, make it for you or, like, invite him to go get food. Get one of his chefs to cook it, <laughs> cook it for me. Cause... Excuse me, Prince. Can you have your chef make me some food? To get Prince's attention, what would you say to him? To get Prince's attention? Yeah, like, if, if you were waiting outside of those backstage doors... Yeah. Amongst the crowd of other intensely loyal Prince fans. What does Fox say above the level of the other crowd to get Prince to look over and go, that Fox guy's pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. Oh man, it'd have to be so, so it'd have to be something so outlandish to even like, like get on the Richter scale of his radar. Yeah, right. Which is why I asked you while you were drunk. Yeah, that's great. It bears <laughs> thinking about. Um, wow. Yeah, what would I say to Prince if he was like... Or if you just saw him walking down the street and you were like, holy shit, that's Prince. Would you say anything to Prince if you were walking down the sidewalk and he came along with that like big old bouncer man that you told me was his actual security guard? That big yeah, white-haired giant. Like, if you saw him walking down, yeah. say London, like put it in your hometown you see prince walking down the street with his security and they let you within earshot of prince 
as you get closer? What do you, do you say anything to him or do you just walk by and just like get down on your knees and start crying? I probably just like run up to him, awkwardly quote some music while shaking and then try and just smell him and have a taste of his lips. Do you ask him for a taste of his lips or do you just like try to like muscle in? No, I try to muscle in. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. There's, there's no turning back. That's like, am I either going to get this shot or I'm not, you know? I mean, fair enough. That, I think, shows the, the difference in coolness between you and me, where uh, the, the person to stop you on the street is Prince, and mine is Terry Jones from Monty Python, where I saw him when I just moved to the UK in Highgate. I saw him walking down the street, and what I did was started shaking, took a deep step into the street, and just stood there watching as he walked by and never said, never said a word to him as he just sort of like walked by and I stood there shaking, hoping for a taste of his lips, but he never, uh, he didn't step into the street with me, so. Well, okay, well, do you know what's great? My friend told me a story about Prince, a couple stories. Number one is that he'd, he'd used to come out and sound check all of his instruments before the rest of the band would come and play. But another one was, was when he was playing his music, he used to get people up to dance on stage. It doesn't matter whether you're a good dancer or not, he used to get you up on stage. And, you know, there was all these people dancing and he would knock everyone off the stage one by one and it was down to these last couple people. And there was this guy that was so like authentic and beautiful whilst dancing. And he just pointed and a spotlight like lit this guy who was not a necessarily good dancer, but for some reason took Prince's eye and he just said him. And this is the type, type of guy that Prince was is just like authenticity beat everything else you know this guy that wasn't a trained dancer that was just moving to the music and Prince put the spotlight on him this is the type of guy that Prince was and I think that's the magic of Prince you know that's a beautiful story and I think a perfect story to end on now Fox do you have anything for listeners where can they find you uh what do you want them to know about in fox jackson's life when are you doing another live stream for us um i love sexiness um prince is my idol and you can find me at, at fox jackson on instagram and pretty much everything else if you search me um yeah just follow me i mean stalk me just be there for me just don't leave because separation anxiety is a natural thing and on that bombshell 